go. I can't not sing the words because that means we have to pay for the song. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? I am your host, Matthew Schufreiter, and today I speak with the artistic director of the Artistic Home. Man, say that three times fast. <laughs> uh, Kathy Scambiatera. And for this episode, I go to the Artistic Home, where they have a whole training studio, classroom per se, where uh, Kathy and I spoke about all things the Artistic Home. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Kathy Scambiatera. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Hi, Matt. I'm fine. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So we're just talking briefly. We are in the artistic home class, the studio space where you have been teaching. Um, how first of all, this thing started back in the late nineties, like what ninety eight? Ninety eight. Very good. Yes. So in, in the research I was doing, you know, you have this ensemble. Like this artistic home has the ensemble. There's another theater company in Chicago that has its own ensemble, Steppenwolf. You know, how would you tell people what's the difference between you guys, you and Steppenwolf, in terms of ensemble? What would you say to them? Um, well, I think, quite honestly, I think that the beginnings of Steppenwolf are very much what our ensemble is. A core of actors who have uh, worked together for a long time, studied together, um, put theater together produce shows, um, and of course, Steppenwolf has expanded way beyond that, so theirs is a much more professional actor, you know, the actors come in and do their work and then uh, come in and out of town or what what have you, at least that's my perception of it, Yeah. and ours is still very much, you know, everybody, you know, everybody loads in, Yeah. everybody strikes. <laughs> Right. Um, besides the, the acting, the wonderful part of it, you know, um, we do a lot of workshops together. We work together a lot. Um, we all have a collective language that we deal with our work together. Yeah. That really comes from the studio because the studio was the first thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we, we um, got the ensemble. And, and it has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. There are just maybe three original ensemble members okay. left uh, since 90, which 2000, actually. Still working? In Still working. The... Okay. Right. Um, but everyone, with the exception of uh, Frank Mal, Scott Westerman, <laughs> have come through the classes, have been a part of, of um, the study here, mm-hmm. of, the, of the Meisner work. When did it become... You said it started out as a classroom or a workshop. Mm-hmm. When did yes. it start becoming producing shows and start becoming we like a real producing theater? Producing shows just about I think two thousand was our first show or two thousand one. One of the one of the two. And it was in the studio space. It was not, you know, didn't have budget, didn't have um, production values, anything like that. And then we started moving on and just creating and moving space. We started out in Cornelia Arts Center, mm-hmm. and then we went to this space on Irving Park Road that was a um, storefront mm-hmm. that we, you know, built, carved a theater out of. Now it's still it's still a um, comedy. I don't know it's in there now. Comedy sports or something. I have no idea. It's an improv place. Then we moved around the corner. Yeah. Um, to what was the old live bait space? Mm-hmm. If anybody remembers. 
Live oh. Bait, the Live Bait space. And then um, from there we moved to Grand Avenue and we were there a while. And now we're a resident theater company at the Den. So just keep building. Right. You know, it, it, here we are almost 20, 25 years now that it's been around. Yeah. You, know, you guys are one of the original storefronts and it almost feels like traveling. Yeah. What's one thing that's never changed about a working theater that's not, you know, that's still trying to keep its head above water, you know? Um, small staff. <laughs> Everyone chipping in. Everyone chipping in. Right. Except, I mean, we've grown from, you know, I was the only paid staff member for years and years. Mm-hmm. And not even then, you know, but at the beginning. But um, now we have two paid staff members. Progress. So we have progress. It's still um, very much artistically driven by a collective. Mm-hmm. You know, there there isn't a big overhead on the on the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, um, you know, we still produce mm-hmm. two to three shows a year. Yeah. We have uh, workshop things like Summer on the Patio, Incubator Series, readings. Right. Yeah. So there's lots of artistic availability here Mm -hmm. for everyone. We read a lot of plays. I read a lot of plays. Let's see. Is this good for our ensemble? You know, um, can we can we cast a majority of these roles within our ensemble? of course, best laid plans, you know, then all of a sudden I decide on a piece and we go forward with it and an ensemble member will say, oh, I can no longer do it because right. I have got cast over here, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But we do look at, at our choices, our artistic choices, with ensemble in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes roles are just, um, you know, asked, given out. Um, there's no need to audition. Sometimes within the ensemble, there is a need to audition because yeah. there's a a role that maybe you know two or three or four ensemble members could could do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How has the theater changed over uh, twenty five years? I think in it's changed in um, people in the ensemble. Right. That has changed, right? But also. Um, um, the kind of work we do, we do a lot more new work now than mm-hmm. we did when we started. We were very much on the revival train, you know, looking at, you know, um, great playwrights, but we would kind of search for the play that the playwright was not successful with, you know, take the less a lesser of work. the less well-known yeah. work and then sort of, um, you know, look at it from our point of view. And we had a lot of we had a lot of success in that, and then um, and now we we do a lot of new work and we have a lot of places uh, in our you know artistic life here that nurtures that right. that you know I think that might have changed about uh, eleven years I began teaching at Chicago High School for the Arts, and um, I have a lot of students now that have graduated a long time ago and and are moving on in their artistic life. And um, so I think that has really, you know, because they come into the studio, they come into the production, they come as Saya Berlatsky, who's just won the Jeff from Alipert Love, right. right, was a student of mine a year and a half ago mm-hmm. <laughs> at the high school, you know. So um, that that energy... That energy feed is um, very healthy. Yeah, it's a young and scrappy. Yeah, even after all these years, yes. like I'm always are. saying, you know, I need that youthful energy <laughs> because 
Uh, I'm a little older now. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are, we're in this space of yours, mm-hmm. and, you know, this is a storefront, and we're and it's doing, and what I love about it is it just feels like people just trying to do good work. We don't need to oh, have. That's lovely. Yeah, Thank we don't. You. No problem. But, but yeah. Literally, like, I'm looking around right now, and it's like we don't need a giant theater or a giant budget to just do good work. We have yeah. chairs and we have a shelf of props and really we can do something with right. this, you know? So I totally I, agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to just talk about young, uh, Kathy or when you first started growing up, mm-hmm. uh, you grew up in LaGrange park. I did. Yeah. Well, actually I grew up in LaGrange. I live in LaGrange park now, okay. but I grew up, but, they're almost the same. They're the same. They're the same. <laughs> we won't. We don't need to edit okay. that. <laughs> what were you like as a child? Um, I'm the oldest of three. Okay. I was the overachiever. I was the straight A kid. You know, I was the one. Um, I was the dean's aide when my sister was the one getting escorted into the dean's office for truancy. <laughs> that was, that's who I was when I was growing up. <laughs> yep, yep. What did your parents do? Um, my dad was in finance. Okay. He uh, is, of course, retired now. He's a useful 92 years old. And um, he um, was a banker. All my life, but finance early and then moved on to banking. My mom was an at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was young, she was a physical ed teacher and then moved into just staying at home with the kids, you know? So, yeah. Where do you think you got, was it, were you just a creative child or like, where do you think you got um, the bug to act or to even do something in the arts? I started out as a, as a voice uh, I went into college as a voice major. Okay. And um, so during my high school years and young years, I was always in choirs and singing and playing violin and doing, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Doing everything. Doing everything. And um, I had a grandmother um, who had the most beautiful voice in the world. And her sister, they would sing at weddings, they would jump up and sing, you know, and uh, even my Aunt Grace, her sister was a yodeler, which I still wish I could figure out how to do. (laughs) And um, so I think that musical ear comes from there. Uh, My grandfather was very much a guitar player with his buddies hanging around and uh, everything was done by ear, nothing. You know, there were Italian immigrants that would kind of hang around and play guitar and mandolin and all that kind of stuff and sing those old songs. So um, arts were in the house. And did your siblings ever do arts as well? You were the only one. See, this is is the same thing because I'm the oldest of four and my siblings would never Mm -mm -mm -mm. want to get involved in the arts. No, I mean, I think my sister once in a while would uh, jump into a choir or something like that, but it was never anything that sparked her. No. You know, didn't float her boat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did did your parents get nervous or not even nervous, but you know, when you tell them like, I think I want to do this for a living. Were they, full, were they fully supportive about it? I, you know, I think about that. Um, yes. The short answer is yes. But I do remember my father, as I was going into um, college, saying, you know, you could be anything you want yeah. to be. Translation. <laughs> yeah. Now, as you look, 
what's between yeah, those what are you lines? trying to say what to are me? you trying to say but they never came right out and said oh you should not do this mm-hmm. you know they nurtured it all the way along you know they you know sent me to europe with the proverbial choir they sent me you know a million different places to study and uh, were always very supportive but yes you could do anything anything thanks thanks dad, dad. <laughs> <laughs> So you went to the University of Illinois. Yes. Uh, and was it there that you transitioned to theater? Or was it still yes, Voight? Okay. It was. So what was it, was it? I had some theater in, um, I had a teacher in high school, Donna Mavros, who I adored. And it was my senior year that she took me into some straight play because I did, you know, musicals all the time. Right. Right. Took me into some straight play, you know, territory. So then I got to college and I was voice major and they said, and your minor is going to be piano. And I was like, but I don't play piano. Right. They're like, but that's your minor because you're a voice major. Mm -hmm. And I was in this place all of a sudden that I was like, I don't think I belong here. Mm -hmm. So I took an acting class. This was first semester uh, freshman year. Yeah. And um, um, I liked it. I had already had a, a bit of acting in high school, and I liked it. And I said, I think I'm going to appeal to Switch, and I did. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a lot of people there. Bob Falls was a graduate student at the time, and <laughs> Bob gave me my first. He cast me in Promises, Promises mm. at University of Illinois. That was it. Wow. <laughs> what was about it when you went on stage? Was it different from maybe singing? Yes, mm-hmm. it was. Mainly because I think I really dove into psychological work, character work, you know, emotional work. And um, I really liked that, mm-hmm. you know. And um, even though I know that singing a song involves acting and all that good stuff, um, I, hadn't, I hadn't gotten there yet. I was in a place that was really driving toward opera and really training my voice highly in that. And um, I just, the stuff that I really loved was telling the story. Yeah. Was it all, say, it probably you're in your head a lot more? And then once you've gotten into acting, it was sort of yes, just, you stopped. Able to, right. It was stopped thinking as less. Yeah. And I just, um, I, I just think that I found that my talent was deeper there. Mm-hmm. There was a deeper pool there. And, and I loved it, you mm-hmm. know, more. And um, I still get very, very nervous when I sing. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, deal with nerves. Everybody deals with nerves. Yeah. But not to the place that it debilitates. Do you like listening to your own voice? Speaking? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, But like, you know, I... I, Yes, I I do. Yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah, I don't go... Now, I will say, I don't like watching myself on screen. That's really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> it's funny because now we're back in, as you know, theater has been coming back the last mm-hmm. couple of years. It's been all, all I've been hearing is, well, now the auditions have now moved into the self-tape room. Yes. And, you know, yeah. for, I, <laughs> that, right? I spent an hour and a half doing a self-tape last week and literally did six takes and couldn't, eventually I had to stop. Couldn't do it, it anymore. It makes you want to pull the hair out of your mm-hmm. head. It, I mean, not makes you. It, you it does. You do pull the hair out <laughs> right. of your head. You just, you know, especially 
technology challenge. You know, I live with a filmmaker. My husband's a filmmaker. So the actual taping of it, um, because he'll do it for me, you Mm -hmm. know, and I just have to concentrate on what I'm doing as an actor. Yeah. So that works okay. Then, like, downloading that thing and then putting it into the Echo Cash. Yep. And then, um, and, you know, I always tell myself, give yourself plenty of time before it's due at 10 a.m. Do it at, you know, do it the day before. Right. Um, right. It's not due till 10 a.m. No, I, I could time. get so much better in the next 24 hours if I just wait. Literally. You know? this was, it was three days for me. And I, <sighs> I thought, well, you know what? Today, Wednesday was bad. Tomorrow's a new day. We'll try it again. And then completely forgetting about the five other things I had to do that required my voice. Yes. So by the time I'm doing it at 8 o'clock at night, it's just, oh, forget it. This the is... stress. The stress. The level of stress. Even just to rename the tape. Oh. <laughs> Too much time. How do I do this? Right. <laughs> and I'm always, you know, calling my agent. And she's like, okay. Kathy, why don't we <laughs> calm down? <laughs> Gotta do the self tape. Mm-hmm. Gotta so, do the self tape. Does artistic come of do self tapes mostly now or No we don't. <laughs> We're in person. It's we prefer in person. We really do. We prefer, right. I prefer in person. And I th- I know as an actor, actors prefer in person. Yeah. There is an option always to self tape. I think that's yeah. gonna probably just yeah. be the and norm. We, Totally accept it and look at it. We do watch them, you know, and um, so that always works. Yeah, are you, are you aware of the actors who, if they have to put it up on like YouTube as like a private link, the next day they go on and see if the view count goes up a bit to see if. No, people... I don't. I do, I know that all of that stuff exists, and I and I don't. Um, I don't envy young actors who have to deal with social media view counts and all that i i really don't yeah I, it's difficult enough you know to be an actor and find a job and now self-tape and mm-hmm. and the social media aspect of it is just too much didn't know it was too much until my friend was like well hey if you check the view count you know that people have been watching it and so i did and and i'll and i thought well is it just me though watching it does that count <laughs> Because, like, it keeps going up every day. I'm like, oh, wait, this this might be me. Actually. I went in five times, yeah. right? Why did it go, oh, wait, I watched it five times. So, oh, that's funny. So you graduated that's from, good. yeah, thank you. So you graduated from the University of Illinois. And then what was just the next steps? Did you stay in Illinois? Did you travel? Did you go? I stayed move? in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I moved into um an apartment with college roommates, you know, and um, then I started studying at Wisdom Bridge Theater. Bob yeah. was the head of Wisdom Bridge at that time, and we were all studying under a, um, a a guru, a mentor by the name of Edward K. Martin, yeah. who taught me Meisner technique, and we studied with him for five, six years, you know, we were all together. I mean, there were people like Marianne Thebus and Martha Levy and yeah. Bob Falls and everybody in the whole city was in that class. Were you aware of the Meisner technique when you started? No. Okay. He didn't even call it that. Oh, really? It wasn't until, <laughs> it wasn't until later we went, Ed, 
this is my new technique. But I've made a few changes here and there. And I'm like, yeah, but basically. It's because still he did, he studied with Sandy Meisner. Yeah. Uh, and then he went out and went with Cassavetti. So he had that whole thing going on. But he was a, he was a great teacher. He was a hard teacher. And um, we lost him during the AIDS pandemic. And, you know. Um, but from there, everybody, you know, just started working all, all over the city in the storefronts and, and uh, the bigger theaters and just, you know carving your way through an artistic life. Right. Yeah. If people, some people don't know or how to or describe what the Meisner technique is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did a workshop of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you best describe the Meisner technique? I, well, it's described by Sanford Meisner as living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So, oh, that's great. 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 I think Everybody. I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> right. Um, and, um, it basically is behavioral work. It gets this thing that it's emotional. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is definitely, you know, we're dealing with emotional life when we're actors, you know, but it's basically what you do, you know, the reality of doing. So, um, it's behavioral and emotions right on behavior and it's very much, um, in the moment, about the relationship, always about the other person, trying to get the focus off yourself, and um, um, telling the story, having all your preparation in there, but not ever playing your preparation. Yeah. Just like kind of being in the moment. Um, and I think that's a lot of actors come to it for that very reason they want to you know i'm in my head up in my work i'm thinking you know five pages ahead or i'm thinking and it, and it trains you to stay right where you are was that easy for you to get to use a technique or did that take a or did it take a while um it it took it took a bit yeah. you know because i was very much trained and you know i was coming from the late 70s from a collegiate program that was totally steeped in Stanislavski. Right. And Meisner comes from Stanislavski, so it is a it is a, a conduit, you know, you can go there. Um, but it was, um, everything had been planned out. Yeah. You'd do your text analysis, you would plan it all out, and then the idea to just let it all fly um, was foreign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, you want to have control as an actor, and then finally you learn, well, I have to let it go at some point. Did you do a lot of the, you're wearing this, like the call and response technique? Repetition. The repetition. Yes. yes sorry. That's the word. That's <laughs> yes. the word. Yes. Repetition. Right. Yeah. Did you ever do it for like 30 minutes? Because there was techniques, there was times where we had to do the repetition exercise for. Yeah. We yeah. have, tech one is eight weeks of repetition. Yep. So it's way beyond 30 minutes. But it goes way beyond just sitting in two chairs I, at Artistic Home, we rarely do that. Right. Sit in two chairs and talk about your green shirt or, you know, you're wearing a black hat or whatever. Yeah. Um, it goes way beyond that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, all right, so you do, so you use the Meisner work technique and then now you're off mm-hmm. working in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And how, how long were you doing that for a while? I mean, obviously you're still doing it today, but. <laughs> a uh, long time. A long time. <laughs> Um, at any point, did you ever leave Chicago? And, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so I was part of a theater company called Center Theater. Mm-hmm. And I met my husband, John Mossman, there. Uh, we were doing a show together. We started with Lissa Strada. And then we went to 
Scarecrow, I think, or it's the other way around. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And um, so um, we, we, ended, we got married. Yeah. Um, our son was born here. And then um, John got a manager and agent in Los Angeles, and we moved out to Los Angeles for mm. uh, five and a half years. Our daughter was born there. So we were in L.A. for a long time, and then we came back here. Mm-hmm. Came back here. Due to the kids, okay. because um, my son had gotten into a school, Mar Vista Elementary, and it was a lottery. Yeah. And when I, when we got that school lottery, when he got into that school, it was like we had won $10 million, right? <laughs> and um, my daughter was a couple years younger, and I remember the principal telling me, well, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean your daughter comes to this school. <laughs> And so we just started kind of looking at family life there, and it really wasn't um, conducive to, yeah. you know, where we wanted our value system to be with the kids and all that kind of stuff. And so we moved back, and that's when we started Artistic Home. Really? Yeah. Just because, And what was just the reason for it? Just we wanted to just do good work? I think the best <clears throat> lesson of Los Angeles was you create your own work. And that's exactly what we did. And I was a young mother, you know. I had a, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and um, I had I needed um, control over my time, over what you know, how I put things together. And by then, I was a teacher. Um, I had been coaching and teaching in LA, and before that, in Chicago. That's a very big part of my life. Yeah. It has been for a long time. It's something that I um, love to do. Was that just because it's something you want that needed to pay the bills, or did you really have an interest? I really in had an interest in teaching, mm-hmm. and it was a way for because I started teaching at Center Theater before I left to Los Angeles, and um, I didn't want to teach for a long time, and that was an ensemble-driven organization. Yeah. Oh yes, come on, Kathy, come teach, come teach. I'm like, I really don't want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, then once I did, I really got into my own in teaching. Was was in Los Angeles. It's a thing that I could do. Um, I connected to a group of kids that were out there from DePaul. Yeah. Um, and um, we did a lot of work together, and it was really rewarding. And so when I got back here, I. I started the studio. What and what made it to become? What, you know, you came here wanted to teach. Why did it become? I want to start a theater company or a studio, studio rather than I want to go into a school. Um, it would take you know to go into a school like um, academia. You mean like yeah. college, right? Would take me going back to school to get a terminal degree, and, you didn't want to do and that. I didn't want to do that at the time because I was still really. Um, always have been very much an actor and about my acting career. Right. And um, I had gone into directing by that time because directing, I always tell my directing students because I teach directing at um, the high school as well. I got into directing because I was a mother who needed to, um, you know, look at my time and how I put it together. And I couldn't afford childcare. So 
There we go. There you go. How old were the students when you first taught? Were they in college or young adults? They or? were young adults. Yeah. Yeah. Just coming out of undergraduate study, just coming into professional world, and um, doing some professional classes. Did you see yourself a lot in those students? Yes. Yeah. Some, I know some, exactly who they are. See, I was some that teachers person. never want to admit that, which is I find because I, I interview a lot of professors here, uh-huh. uh, and they never said no, not really. Which I think I think they're denying it. I think because they probably didn't so like too. themselves growing up, or there's certain aspects about themselves that uh-huh. they they mm-hmm. probably changed. So they probably because you know I've taught preschool, middle school, high school, mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. So and I see little bits of me. And those students. So, yeah. So I'm glad that you were, you agree that, yeah, there is, there's a bit of Kathy in this student, you know. Right. Yeah. It still happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So do you teach more acting now? Is it more directing or what? I mostly teach acting. Mm -hmm. I have all the curriculum at Artistic Home. And then I have acting at uh, Chicago High School for the Arts. And then I teach a one semester directing class at Chicago High School for the Arts. The seniors on their second semester, which can be uh, challenging. I would agree. (laughs) But by then, we're all deeply in love, so it's okay. (laughs) Love. Love. Yeah. Right. So when did the artistic home, you know, it started producing shows in 2000, mm-hmm. um, w- around there. Yeah. When, did it, when did it make the switch to the, say, we should do a show? Like a real show. Like a real show. <laughs> a real show. People are coming to see us. Yes. We moved into the storefront on Irving Park. And um, we started out with, oh, we did a new play. But then we started out with... a. Um, Tennessee Williams Orpheus descending but the big show that all of a sudden put us on the map was After the Fall by Arthur Miller mm. and Chris Jones came to see it and he gave it a wonderful review that's when Chris had the um, bandwidth to go to storefront and you know yeah. walk in and change I mean honestly <clears throat> change a storefront's trajectory mm-hmm. yeah yeah. No, and I, he did he did he changed it yeah but I interviewed him and that's what he was known for, mm-hmm. and yeah. wish that he would go back to. I get it. He's he's very busy, and yeah. he's got to review the shows that can get to Broadway. But yeah. you know, there are just storefronts out here that. I mean, you know, and well, there was Richard Christensen before that, mm-hmm. before Chris. But for us specifically, it was Chris Jones. It was that show, and um, oh, I remember a lot. Claudia Cassidy, Richard Christensen, all of those critics had a lot to do with the storefront scene. Chicago. Yeah. It's still hard uh, for a storefront to get their name out there, even after... Because reviews can't do it anymore. No. You know, there's blogs and, you know, things like that. But major newspaper, I mean... Right. Right? But also, like, the general public now is... Our the critics, you know, yeah, they will, they will they'll just go, decide. They'll, and they'll just talk about it. Yeah. They'll just go, yeah. I will go to my friends and say, I saw this yes. show... Yes. Whether I liked it or not, and yes. that will whether or not my review is enough to say to yeah. agree or disagree, but they will take it, you know. Yeah. So it is, and and your social media presence is huge now. You have yeah. to have that. You have to, you know, that's where all the young people come in. I was gonna say, <laughs> did that take a while for the artist to come to sort of adjust to, you know, social media? And- I'm. 
it's 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 a gift that I'm around young artists all the time, right? Because they'll say, you know what you have to do, Kathy. You have to get onto this and this and this. You know, I'm like, God, let's do show it. me, show me how to do it. Go ahead, do it. So you know, I have young artists in the place that do that stuff that run the the website that you know i even remember transitioning to email and going i don't know about this you know who emails who does this right stuff, right <laughs> <laughs> but now you know every they, they do it all they do it all they we have a schedule and i i look at something go, oh that looks great and boom it goes mm-hmm. it just goes how has the theater been doing since uh post 2020 and recovery we've been doing great sorry about that knock on the that's fine (laughs) we've been doing okay you know um it was after covid that we moved into the den Mm -hmm. and that was um a whole new thing for us you know yeah um but it has really been a very good thing for us Mm -hmm. there's a community there there's a lot of people um there there's a lot of word of mouth there's a lot of it's 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 a good hub it's a great hub it's better than good and so when we opened up Eurydice which was the first show back um (laughs) people came wow I was like wow I know (laughs) whoa you know and they came and um and then we just had a fantastic season with the pavilion and Malapert Love and and um you know, lots of Jeff recognition and all that kind of stuff. So all of that went really well. And um, we're, you know, we're into dying for it now. And that's doing well. And and it seems like things are building Mm -hmm. um, for the most part. I mean, there's weekends and shows like this is a holiday weekend. Yeah. So it's going to be a little, little lighter, but it's been doing, it's been doing well. And um, so I think it's a combination of, you know, um, artistically, our choices, we're really confident in our choices. Yeah. Um, I feel as if we are creating um, and embarking on good storytelling. Yeah. Um, and so all of that is, is working and everyone wants to get back to work. And I know it seems to be slow going that the audiences are coming back. Mm-hmm. We've noticed that audiences really want to laugh. They they really want to laugh. Yeah. And um, so that's, you know, we've been trying to choose um, work that reflects that and yet has, you know, still some good, strong bite to it as well. Right. You know, so. What do you like doing more or prefer doing right now? Is it acting? directing i i'm acting right now yeah as you know and i haven't acted in a long time mm. yeah i did um i did a short stint at rivendell um with a mile in the dark but it was a very short stint because i was sharing the role with tara Mallon. um but i hadn't really you know and this this play takes a lot of energy yeah it takes a lot of physicality um and so I'm trying to weather that that storm for myself. Um, but I go to the theater, and I love being with the people I'm with. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I adore it. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, memorization as you get older, 
is a chore. Yeah. It's a chore whenever, you know. Right. But it's really a chore as you get older. And, um, you know, just uh, exercising all of that. And, and um, I haven't done um, comedy in four or five years, so that's been fun. So um, right now I'm acting. Mm-hmm. Next year I go back to directing. So I'm going to do The Plow and the Stars. Ooh. So. Are you, yeah. so what made you want to, was it just say you found this play, you said, you know what, I think I want to act it in it, or did it take a while for you to convince yourself to do it? This play was presented to me by uh, Monica Payne, who directed it. Yeah. And uh, I read it, and it was a laugh out loud off the page. And um, then I went, hmm, Serafima, mm-hmm. I could, this is in my wheelhouse, this is in my age range. Right. I could do this role. And so, you know, I said, Monica, what do you think about me doing Serafema? And she was like, I thought that's what what I was here for. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what was going to happen. And so um, that's how that happened. It was just me reading it going. It was that easy. <laughs> I like this. This is, this is, you know. And then there were times like John, my husband, will tell you, I'll come home and go, I should not be doing this play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> Look at me. I am drenched in sweat. Yeah. But. And then I'd go back the next day and I just, you know, I love rehearsal anyway. Yeah. Rehearsal is like my favorite part of the whole process because I like just being in the room and, and just being free. And um, that's one thing I've I've noticed is that this show has a lot of ensemble members in it. Yeah. yeah it's like um, five or six ensemble members in it and the freedom is is joyous yeah there's nothing tight going on right yeah everyone is open with each oh, other oh yeah. yeah oh i love it because you come out and i just see the cello playing i'm like oh what are we in for tonight? <laughs> also like the, the promotion of it um, I, I saw the show opening and it presented as this very it looked very dark i knew, oh, no- I know. knew nothing about the play so I, that's what i kind of like just going and thinking all right this is a farce, I put it in quotes, because right. I'm looking at all these photos, right. and they all look very, everyone looks very stoic, like <laughs> something's going to happen. Oh, this is some very Brechtian kind of show. And all of a sudden, I am laughing at the dialogue. Honestly, it felt like just moods, <laughs> if that makes sense, because there's yes. lines. It's like, yes. I feel like nothing. <laughs> I'm like, this is a mood. I think everyone can relate to this. Yes. But where do I am a maggot? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, where does our artistic home go from here if we had to make if you where do you see it going? Um I really, you know, um we we are talking, you know, as as I'm older and we talk about transition. And transition plans a lot, although it's not happening yet or yeah. anything. Um, and there's, um, you know, my view of it, um, as you can tell, it hasn't moved much, you yeah. know, in the 20 years, is um, keeping it accessible storefront, um, opening up its diversity and inclusion. Um, so that storefront really reflects um, Chicago. Neighborhoods of Chicago, the people of Chicago, um, you know what matters. It, it's it's still for me the that neighborhood 
people can walk into a theater and enjoy, you know, a storefront theater and enjoy really um, high-level art. Well, speaking of high-level art, we're going to play a game. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. This game is called Time for Two. Two minutes on the clock, two minutes of random icebreaker questions. There is no right. There is no wrong. I'm just curious. But I only have two minutes. But you only have two minutes. These are the given circumstances, Okay. uh, we like to say. But, all right. All right, cool. Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) All right. Here we go. In three, two, one, go. Favorite food? Oh, pasta. Typical bedtime? Midnight. (laughs) What chore do you absolutely hate doing? Would you rather live in in an amusement park or a zoo? Zoo. Karaoke song of choice. Oh my god, I don't know. It'd have to be some Carol King. (laughs) Uh, What part of the human face is your favorite? Uh, Is a DJ just someone who's good at iTunes? No. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. Uh, what do you like like to put between two no, pieces? No, a hot dog's a meal. I have to go back to that. Yeah, <laughs> hot dog's a meal. <laughs> what do you like to be t- put between two pieces of bread? A burger. Nice. Uh, is there a lie that George Santos has said about you? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, typical wake-up time. Seven. The best part of waking up is... Seeing my dog looking ah. at me. <laughs> uh, how do you like your eggs? Over medium. Uh, who is the greatest game show host of all time? Um. Hmm. Oh, I don't know any game show hosts. Who's 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 that guy on? Um, oh, that Pat Sajak. Sure. <laughs> sure. AC or DC. AC. Sure. Fork, <laughs> spoon, or a knife? Spoon. Uh, favorite book? Hmm. I don't know. Favorite genre? Um, dark comedy. Favorite president? Hmm. Barack Obama. Favorite kind of? Oh, whatever I get there. <gasps> No, 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 no. We'll get there. Fork, spoon, or knife? Fork. There we go. (laughs) Did we do that? Oh, we did that one already? And I think I said spoon. Favorite kind of dog? (laughs) Oh, my shepherd. My little shepherd. Boom. See? I didn't, I didn't listen to that. Oh, that's so (laughs) Thank you. Kathy, before we go, my last question to you is, are your parents proud of you? Yes. Yes. That's lovely. Thank you, Kathy, for letting us come here. Kill me saying that. Yes. You you felt that if I say no. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's, uh, kind of fills the heart. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Thank you. (laughs) For more information on all things Artistic Home, go to theartistichome.org. And that is it for today's episode, folks. Next week, I speak with director and company member of Ashton Rep Theater, Dana Anderson. You know the rules. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Instagram. Email us, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. I'm your host, Matthew Schufreiter, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.